0: on time, and for some of you, maybe that's what it requires. (laughs) Oh, well, this morning we're going to be in Hebrews, the end of Hebrews, and we're going to do part of Hebrews and part of, I mean, part of uh, chapter 5 and part of chapter 6. So as you get your Bibles out and find the text, Hebrews is in the New Testament, that was a joke. Everybody's supposed to... <laughs> if you don't have a Bible, it'll be displayed on the on the screen behind us, I hope. So let me read, and then I'll pray for the preaching of God's word. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become... Dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, And eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Let me pray. Father God, this morning as we dive into your text, Lord, I I pray, Lord, that as your servant, you will use me as an instrument, Father. And I I pray, Lord, that uh, despite all the preparation that has gone into uh, my text this morning, uh, I pray, Lord, that you would edit this morning's sermon that you would put in what you would have put in and take out what you would have take out, Father God. I am just an instrument this morning and I pray, Lord, that you would use me to preach your word in a manner that can be convicting to show truth in your life, our lives, Father God, and cause us to to change, cause us to want to move from milk to meat. So I pray, I pray, Father, this morning that you will help me to do that. You will help us to, to hear this morning, to hear with ears that will allow us to understand your text, Father, your truth, Lord. I pray, Lord, help me this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as, as children... We want to grow up, and we want to follow in the footsteps of an older brother or an older sister. It's what we do. You know, we, we, uh, we want to be like them. Uh, recently, um, one of my grandkids started uh, potty training. Now, just to be clear, this was the three-year-old, not the 11-year-old. I'm sure I'm Sella sure would appreciate the fact that I'm pointing that out to you. But we were all sitting around the family room talking about it, and, and uh, somebody had said, yeah, you get to uh, wear uh, big girl underwear. And her eyes lit up, and she just got so excited. She was just jumping up and down. Yeah, get big girl underwear. Like, my, my sister, You know, she said, She was so excited. We want to move from from childhood to adulthood. We want to to go from drinking milk to eating meat. Tweeners want to become teenagers. Teenagers want want more responsibility. They they want to start driving. Uh, They want to, to be able to stay up later. They want to be an adult. They want to be on their own. What do adults want to be? Well, we don't want to be old. (laughs) But we do want to be wise, right? Wisdom is what's most commonly attributed to old age. So we want to be wise, but but then what? Nobody who's wise ever says, I want to be dead. (laughs) That's logically the next thing that comes up, right? We all have this desire to to better ourselves, to to improve, to to grow up. Now, as young Christians, it's the same. There's a certain zeal when we first gave our heart to the Lord. We were were anxious uh, to learn and to read more about, about God, about Jesus, and about salvation. We listened to sermons and actually took notes we couldn't wait to talk to somebody about the Sunday's sermon. And, and, and throughout the week, we may have even pondered the text in our head. We wanted to know more. We wanted to go from drinking milk to, to eating solid food. But for some reason, as Christians, for some reason, that wanes over time. Something happens. We, we stop taking notes. We don't talk about the sermon much anymore. We, you know, we, sometimes it's even hard to remember what the sermon was about, much less ponder it throughout the week. Is it because we, we know it already? That we're not paying attention? Have we become, have we become bored with the text? Have we become bored with the Word? Which is is to say we've become bored with God. Have you become bored with God? The writer of Hebrews is telling the people about Jesus being appointed the high priest by God, and then all of a sudden he says, well, we have much more to say about this, but it's hard because you all have become dull of hearing. This is the third major exhortation he gives to the people. The first one is in Hebrews 2.1 where he says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. His exhortation is that not to drift away from the truth. The second exhortation is from Hebrews 3.6 to the end of of chapter 4, he says, and the emphasis being on on Psalm 95, he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And in verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. These are exhortations to, to, to shake you up, to wake you up to the truth. He wants you to know the truth. Then now in chapter 5, after beginning to talk about the priesthood of Jesus, which is an an important thing to know, he interrupts himself to speak to the immaturity, and the lack of spiritual commitment in the people, who by now should be able to teach the basic principles of the Word of God. His intent was not to shame anyone, but to wake them up, for them to see that it's time to move on from milk and on to meat for sustenance, so that they can gain strength and and persevere until the end. The writer of Hebrews only wants for Christians to persevere until the end. thus, the exhortations pay closer attention lest you drift away if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts take care lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living god and this wouldn't be a driving force in hebrews if it wasn't somewhat true of the people as we see in this morning's text He's speaking to the people this way because he sees that in them. He sees that they may be falling away. He sees that they're still trying to drink milk when they should be able to teach this stuff by now. And so let's let's see how he does this, how he he tries to wake them up, how he tries to, to encourage them to move on. So let's start with, with point number one. By the way, the, the title for my text is "From Milk to Meat. Ooh, I have a blank page here. I wonder if that's three, four, five. Okay, good. <laughs> 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 this is, this is, my printer stopped printing. What was all that text? That <laughs> <laughs> point number one. You have become dull of hearing. You have become dull of hearing. The phrase dull of hearing literally means or literally reads sluggish in the ears. (laughs) Dull of hearing. Sluggish in the ears. First of all, this this is an acquired condition. You have become. You have become. So that's an acquired condition They were something before this. Now they have become dull of hearing. They have become lazy or sluggish when it comes to listening to spiritual truth. We have much to say on the subject of Jesus' priesthood, but it's hard to explain because you have become lazy when it comes to listening to spiritual truth. That's some tough love. That's some tough love to speak to the people this way. And unfortunately, Christians back then are no different than Christians today. We have become lazy, sluggish in our ears, sluggish in our hearing, lazy to hear the spiritual truth, the the word of God, lazy to, to even pay attention to what's going on with the text. What is God trying to teach me here? What is God trying to say to me here? Let me take note. Let me study this. Think about what it means to become lazy when it comes to listening to spiritual truth. What does that look like for you? Perhaps it's not listening to the preaching of the word. Maybe you're not paying close enough attention to take good notes. Maybe maybe you're not even taking notes. Yes, there are, there are distractions, but are you doing enough to eliminate the distractions? You know, for me, I sit on the front row because I, I'm easily distracted. If somebody gets up, I, I start wondering, where are they going? They're gonna miss this. They're gonna miss this part of the text. What are they doing? Oh, they got coffee. I hope they still heard what was being preached. I mean, these things go through my mind. I can't, I can't do that. I'm distracted. So I sit on the front row, but there's not enough room on the front row for all of us. <laughs> I cannot stress enough. And I think the writer of Hebrews is is, is saying this all through Hebrews. I cannot stress enough the importance of hearing God's word. Especially if it's the only avenue you have available to be immersed in his word. Ask yourself. Ask yourself, have, have I become dull of hearing? Too many Christians today want to stay on milk for nourishment. They either think theology is boring or it's a waste of time. When asked, what do you look for in a church? I've heard people say, well, there's got to be good music. It's got to keep my attention. I I like having a large band playing the latest, coolest songs. And the preaching has to be good. If they're not preaching about the current times and the struggles I'm having in this country and around the world, and if, if they're not making me feel good about myself, then I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to bother with them. I'll find someplace else. Would you say that about a church you're looking to attend? if even occasionally the preaching is not making you feel a little uncomfortable, and I mean uncomfortable in the sense that it's revealing an area of sin that you struggle with, then you might want to question whether the preaching has gotten too feel-good or if they've stopped preaching from the Word of God. The Word of God has truth, and it's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to point out fallacies in our life, sin in our life. It's going to hurt. I, I've told this story before, and I was reminded of it when I was writing this. H.B. Charles Jr. Was, was being interviewed by C.J. Mahaney and one of our... Uh, pastor's conference I think it was in 2017 and he mentioned that when he was preaching if he was saying something good there was this woman in the second row an older woman when he was preaching something good he would she would say help us lord help us lord but when he said something that was offensive to her he would say she would say help him lord help him lord The word of God can be offensive at times. And and when we're up here preaching, we're preaching truth that may be offensive. But if God's word is true, why are you being offended? If God's word is is preaching the truth about life, about Christian life, about Jesus and the gospel and, and, and what we receive through that, Why would it be offensive? We've built this mentality that if if it doesn't make me feel good, if if it's too hard, if it's too difficult, then I'll go somewhere else where it's easy and where I feel good. I think that's the wrong attitude. It's simply the wrong attitude that the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is recognizing when he's, he's giving exhortations to the people and saying, look, wake up, lest you fall away. Take care, brothers, lest you have an unbelieving heart. And even now, when you should be able to teach this stuff, we're having to teach you again. Because you're staying on milk and you're not moving on. Who said it was going to be easy? Reading God's word, who said it was going to be easy? Je- Jesus said in Matthew 10, you will be hated by all for my namesake. Most of us remember that, but we forget about the second part of that verse, which says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures the To the end. That means we're going to be hated for the rest of our life, not just once or twice in our life, but for the rest of our life, we're going to be hated for His name's sake. We're going to have difficulty, trials, tribulations because of the the brokenness of this world. The fact that we adhere to and love and preach Jesus Christ, we're going to be hated. And for those, who endure to the end will be saved. Endure. What does that mean, endure? That means to have the strength to to carry on, to proceed. Even though we're hit from the back, even though we're hit in the face, even though we're, we're pushed to our limits, we're enduring. We're going on to the end because we know there's something special there. the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 shows us three marks of an infant believer. Someone who prefers drinking milk and cannot handle meat. Now, as I go through these three, keep in mind that if you are a young believer, this, these, this description, these, these three marks probably are going to be very accurate, and they, that's okay. He's talking about those of us who have been around for a while and, and, and know the text, know the Word of God who can or should be able to teach this. He's talking about those that are refusing to move on from milk to meat. Okay? However, as I go through these marks, if you feel, if you start to feel defensive, if you start to feel like, ah, I don't want to hear this because it's, that's me. Remember, There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to feel condemnation because, because, you know, the preacher is is pointing out something that is difficult to hear because it affects you. It points out your weakness. It points out your faults. There should be conviction. The Holy Spirit should convict you to say, okay, yeah, that is me, and I can change. I, there's something I can do to fix this. All right, so let me talk about the, the three. First of them, first one is shallow in their understanding. Shallow in their understanding. Since they have become dull in hearing. In other words, they've, they've become lazy when it comes to Uh, Listening to spiritual truth. They are shallow in their understanding and that's that's even understandable Because if they're not listening to the preaching if they're not listening to the Word of God if they're not reading and Meditating on the Word of God then they're going to only have a very shallow Understanding of the text they may not have a full or true understanding of the text which could get them into trouble It's hard to explain difficult and important things in the Word of God if they don't have a grasp of the basic things. This is what he means by verse 12 where he says, you need someone to teach you again. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God or or the, the Word of God. If you ask somebody... What is the gospel? What does the gospel mean to you? And they say, um, the gospel means uh, if I believe in Jesus, then I get to go to heaven. That's a very shallow understanding of what the gospel means. No, the gospel means that, that Jesus, the Son of God, came down, became man, lived a, sinful, a sin, sinless life, and then offered up his life for the sacrifice of all people's sins went to the cross, took on the full wrath of God, having God turned his back on him, died on the cross, giving up his life for our life, his sinless life for our sinful life. Then three days later, being raised up, seated by the right hand of God, where he is now our advocate. It's not the end of it for those who believe and confess him as Lord, profess and, and repent of their sins, God says, you're justified through his righteousness received by faith alone. Man, if that doesn't excite you, wake up. Wake up. This is the gospel that we should be preaching. This is the gospel that when somebody says, well, what does the gospel mean to you? Ho, oh, I'm ready. This, 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 this is so much more than just if you believe in Jesus, you get to go to heaven. No, it's more than that. Don't be shallow about your, about your understanding of the word of God. The second mark of an infant believer is you're of little use to others in the things of the faith. It goes in line with having a shallow understanding. You're of little use to others in the things of faith. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Not as in ordained ministers, but someone who can defend their faith when questioned about what they believe. If they cannot articulate what it means to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ, or they can't share the gospel with someone because they can't put it into words. or they, you know, Some people might say, oh, I know what it means. I just can't put it into words for someone else to know what it means then you don't have a clear understanding of the gospel. If you know what it means, but you can't put it into words, then you don't know what it means. It's simple. It's simple as that. You have a shallow understanding of the gospel. The third is unable to discern good from evil. Unable to discern good from evil. He says, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. In order to distinguish good from evil, you have to be in constant practice. Those who have their powers of discernment trained are in constant practice, meaning it's not something that is taught and practice once or twice, it means you're practicing it constantly. This is the training that you go through. You're practicing, you're reading the Word constantly. You're trying to figure out, what does this say? What does it say to me? What does it say to us about our life in Christ? Constant practice so that you're able to defend against all deceitful schemes. Like Paul says in Ephesians 4, 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Deceitful schemes. Somebody not necessarily telling you a lie But asking you, well, what do you believe about this? And then you don't have a true understanding because you have a shallow understanding of the word, little use to others, and unable to discern good from evil. And they change your mind. They change your mind about going to a a Bible-preaching church and coming to a a feel-good church where we have a great band. And we have a preacher who really funny and tells good stories and talks about what we're struggling with today. Constant practice. What does constant practice look like? I said some of these just a minute ago. It means being in the Word. Studying and meditating on God's word, listening, listening to sermons and taking notes and then, and then talking with others about what you, what you heard, what you learned and listening to what they heard and what they learned. Sharpening each other, understanding the word of God, training and preparing yourself to discern good from evil. This is constant practice. Do we do that? Do we talk to others about the word? Do we we ask them, hey, what did you hear on Sunday? Talk to me about it. I want to know what you heard. What did you learn? This is what I heard. This is what I learned. Oh, yeah, some of it is the same, but that was different. I didn't hear that. Tell me some more about that. Oh, let's talk about it. So some of you may be thinking, Am I an infant Christian who still feeds on milk? Does this describe me? Am I, am, I, am I shallow in my understanding? Am I of little use to others in the things of the faith? Am I unable to discern good from evil? And again, let me, let me repeat, if, if, if you're a young Christian, these would describe you. And that, that's okay, that's not bad. You're expected not to be able to do some of these things yet because you haven't moved from milk to meat, from milk to more solid food where you gain strength and prepare yourself. But if you're not a young Christian, if you've been around for a while, if you should be able to teach these things as well, and these describe you, let me tell you, don't, please don't, don't be dismayed. Don't be dismayed. There's no shame. There's no condemnation here. There is, however, a remedy. There is a remedy, and here's the, here's the remedy. Apply yourself to the truth. Apply yourself to the word of God. Learn the fundamentals of the Christian faith so that you can express them to others who may need to hear the gospel. Then do what it says in verse 1 of chapter 6. Move on to maturity. Move on to maturity. Point number two. Moving on from milk to meat moving on from milk to meat. When the writer of Hebrews says here in chapter 6, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, he's not saying let us abandon these truths. He's not saying let us abandon these truths, but rather first let's establish them as a secure, sure foundation and then move on to maturity so that we can build on this foundation. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. And he lists three sets. It seems to be three sets of two items each. So let's, let's look at this, this foundation that he says, let's move on from. The first being, the first pair being repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So that's so let's read that again. It's, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. The movement from unbelief someone who's not saved, unbelief into Christianity begins with an understanding of that which brings us only death. That is dead works. Dead works brings us only death. Dead works or sinful deeds that stand under God's condemnation brings us death. The awareness of our sin, the conviction over it, and then repentance of these acts that bring us death is what they're speaking of here, repentance from dead works. right? So together with repentance is faith in God. That's the second part, faith in God who offers us forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Repentance of dead works, faith in God who offers us forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Put together, these form the doctrine of justification. An awareness of our sin, repentance and faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, and and God declaring us justified and righteous in His sight. That's justification. This foundational truth is what we build everything else on And it's critically important that we have a good understanding of this. Otherwise, all our understanding will be flawed. Having a good understanding of justification, why we're able to be justified, it's through his righteousness, through Jesus Christ's righteousness, salvation, through him and him alone. Understanding that, if we don't understand that, then all our other understanding will be flawed. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law and die in our place for the atonement of our sins. Believers of Jesus Christ are declared just through his righteousness, received by faith alone, not by works. Not by works. Received by faith alone. The second one, the second pairing is instruction about washings, the laying on of hands. Instruction about washings, the laying on of hands. These have to do with our empowerment of the Christian life. Or in other words, it it points to sanctification. The washings are referring to baptism and the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses for Jesus as it says in Acts 1.8. And generally the laying on of hands signified the coming of the Holy Spirit, although it was also associated with with blessing, healing, and ordination, ordination for office. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to empower us for the Christian life. That is to empower us and so that we endure to the end. Empowering us so that we endure to the end. And through the Holy Spirit, we are being sanctified for Christian life. The third pairing is the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So if the first pair relate to justification and the second pair, sanctification, then it makes sense that the last pair point to glorification. Glorification. That is the destiny of believers after death. The destiny of believers after death. the The hope of resurrection into a glorified life. The Word of God says, all will be raised on the last day. All will be raised on the last day, the day of judgment. Those who are in Christ will be received with joy. Those who reject him will be condemned forever in their sins. Truth of the gospel. Truth of the Word of God. Truth that we read in this My third point and last point this morning is persevering in Christ until the end. So this is, again, enduring. Persevering, enduring, meaning that we, you know, we're going to have to go through this. It's going to be hard. We're going to have a struggle. So we need, we need strength to do this. We can't do this on sustaining, being sustained by milk alone. We need solid food. To grow muscle, to become stronger so that we may endure to the end, so that we may persevere to the end. The the main theme of all of Hebrews so far has been that through faith in Jesus Christ, we must persevere until the end. His exhortation to not drift away from the truth. Why? Why? Why is it so important not to drift from the truth? It's because the truth Gives us strength. It sanctifies us. It allows us to get to the end. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Let's not be sluggish in our hearing, lest we drift away from it. So, it's possible that we would drift away if we're not hearing God's word, if we're not paying closer attention. We don't want to drift away. Then in chapter 3, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He wants for us to persevere until the end. Wake up. All of this, even now, his exhortation to move from milk to meat, that we may prepare ourselves to build our faith into maturity, building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ so that we may endure until the end. Building on these foundational truths will conform us to the will of God and away from the world and its deceitful desires. Like Paul says in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The words, getting this mind of ours into the text and understanding what this, this text means, understanding what the oracles of God, what the word of God means to my life. If I don't understand a text, ask somebody. What does this mean? What does this mean to you? Help me to understand it. Pray to God, Lord, help me understand this text. It's there for me. You put it there for a reason. It's for me to understand it. I don't understand it. Help me to understand it. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, oh, by testing, we are tested every day. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul knew as well. We needed an understanding of this text. We needed strength in order to endure. We needed to be conformed, not to of this world, but away from this world. We are not of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, because he knew we would be tested. All of us will be hated because of his name. but those who endure to the end will be saved. As the band comes up, let me close with these thoughts. Being nourished by milk for a young believer is not wrong. It's not wrong, but necessary. Necessary until they are able to handle solid food for a deeper understanding of God's Word. We all have a natural desire to want to to grow up, to want to, to better ourselves, to move from childhood into adulthood. But the deceiver tells us we don't need this. The deceiver tells us we know it all. And therefore we become dull of hearing, lazy, when it comes to listening to spiritual truth. The writer of Hebrews in this particular text is speaking to those who by now ought to be teachers but are not because they have become lazy. His intent in his exhortation is to wake them up from this infant behavior and wants them to grow up. He he wants them to move from milk to meat so that they can build a firm foundation in their beliefs and be useful to other believers and useful to those who, who, who need to know or hear the gospel. If you find yourself convicted this morning because, of, because you may have heard something, maybe not moving into maturity yet, your understanding of the word, remember, remember that the remedy is not hard. The remedy is not hard. Simply apply yourself to the truth. Learn the fundamentals of the Christian faith so that you can express them to others. Meaning, you know, yeah, I can, I can repeat what I've learned. I can understand. I can repeat the gospel to somebody. And it's not, yeah, if you believe in Jesus, you'll be able, you'll be, you'll be able to go to heaven. That's only a very superficial part of it learn to be able to tell somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ then do what it says in verse 1 of chapter 6 move on to maturity move on to maturity and this we will do if God permits amen let me pray amen Father God as we as we learn to understand and want to understand your text father help us when we're convicted of your text, Father, to, to seek you out, to, to ask for a remedy and, and to understand what that what that remedy entails. What does it mean? What does it mean for me to study more of the word? Does it mean for me to hear more uh, preaching? Does it mean for me to, to get with others and talk about the word? Yes, yes, and yes, and yes. Father, help me. Help us. Lord, let us, let us then move on. Having built a foundation that we can stand on a rock. Jesus Christ, our rock. Let us stand firm in your truth, Father God. So that we will not be swayed to and fro. but can stand firm. A firm foundation. You're